Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. It's a short week. We did the bye week last week. Did a few podcasts. We're doing a couple more this week. Of course, USC plays Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Pacific in the Coliseum, taking on the California Sturdy Golden Bears, Bear Raid offense, uh, with Davis Webb running the show. Ran a record 118 plays. Uh, last week against Oregon, so it should be a really fun one in the Coliseum. We wanted to talk with our friend Dan Weber, uscfootball.com beat writer and columnist who's all over this and all over everything at USC practice, which everything got moved up this week, Dan. It's, uh, we had the, you know, Wednesday practice on a Monday, the Tuesday practice on a, uh, Sunday. And of course, today's practice, the, uh, Tuesday practice will really be like that Thursday one, the kind of shorter one before the game time. Uh, exactly. Bingo. Now, literally yesterday before practice, I had to ask, uh, Tim Tessalone, what day is it? Tell me for sure now. I mean, it was <laughs> like you had so many days going back and forth through your head. You just really couldn't, could not remember exactly, uh, what day it was. But, uh, Thursday night, uh, you know, it's kind of a neat game. Uh, Cal gives you, so much to, to work on offensively. They do it really well. I mean, hard to imagine they lose the number one draft pick to the uh, <laughs> the Rams, the quarterback, and they're actually better on offense now with maybe a better quarterback. Um, I'm not sure if what that says about Cal or what it says about the Rams uh, uh, because, uh, unfortunately, their number one draft pick isn't playing. So if you want to see a really good Cal quarterback, uh, you probably ought to come to the USC Cal game uh, Thursday night. Yes, <laughs> uh, Jared Goff will probably be on the sidelines there. We would we assume um, that'll be interesting to kind of see. There's a lot of controversy with him and the Rams, and they've lost three in a row. And Case Keenum still starting, and Jeff Fisher, a USC grad, seems pretty adamant that he doesn't want Jared Goff to start. But you're right; it look Cal just looks like a a better team right now, and you know Davis Webb. You look at the Texas Tech quarterbacks, um, man, there's the Texas Tech or yeah. former Texas Tech, you know, Baker Mayfield and, uh, Mahomes and, and, and Davis Webb. Man, there's a lot of guys that can throw the football around. Yeah. It's, a, it's kind of a, you know, a good, uh, minor league, uh, place to start your college career <laughs> and then you move on, you know, I mean, everybody, uh, leaves Lubbock, I guess, some, sometime. And I, I think it's really helped Davis Webb just because it shows, uh, you know, that it's not just the system. Uh, it shows it against a bunch of different kinds of defenses. It shows, you know, what he can do with a balanced attack with, uh, with some running backs and all of that. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, I think there are people, including maybe me, who think he's a better NFL prospect, uh, you know, than Jared Goff was. Boy, uh, as bad, as bad as that sounds for the Rams, uh, I know talking to Clancy Pendergast, uh, he didn't want to go to the Jared Goff part of that question, but he said about Webb, he just said, man, I've seen an awful lot of 
NFL quarterbacks, and I've seen every film on this kid this year, and he said he just he's really, really, really good, and he's really going to play and do some very good things in the NFL. So um, kind of an interesting situation. I mean, the whole quarterback situation in L.A. is interesting because I know at the beginning of the year people were kind of laughing and saying, sure, you know, the Rams got the number one pick, but UCLA has the best quarterback in town. And now that may have flipped a little bit to the fact that maybe USC has the best quarterback in town, in, in town counting everybody. Uh, a very interesting year at the quarterback position in L.A. Um, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to talk about that in the game, and I want to talk about how important this game is. I just wanted to let everyone know we got a, a new sponsor for the Peristyle Podcast before we jump into the rest of it. So Bet DSI. It's Bet DSI, David, Sam, uh, I, with Ingrid. How about that? Uh, BetDSI.com. Do you love college football? I know I do. I know Dan does. And if you're ready to get in the action, you should go to BetDSI.com. They have over 20 years in the business, and they're the top-rated site, and very safe to play. Uh, BetDSI.com has great a co- great college football special right now. If you sign up today, get $10 free to try the service. So just use the promo code USC10. So that's for the Paracel Podcast. Promo code USC10 on betdsi.com. Uh, they are also offering 100% bonus on your first deposit. They have great customer service, uh, fast and easy payment of your winnings. There's hundreds of college football and basketball wagers to choose from. You can even bet the UFC. Uh, there's political odds. If you're into the election, you can bet that. Uh, they even have uh, live game, in-game wagering. So if during a game, you can bet on football and basketball and other major sporting events. You really can play virtually anything on BetDSI.com. So go to BetDSI.com now. That's BetDSI.com. Go there and use the promo code USC10 to get your free wager and start winning today. And uh, speaking of wagers, Dan, I think the, 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 the line on this game is USC by somewhere between 14 and 16 favored over Cal, which seems a little high to me. Seems kind of crazy. But I just think this game is so important for the Trojans, you know, the three game winning streak. There's a lot of people back on the Clay Helton bandwagon, bat bandwagon. There's, you know, certainly a bunch of USC fans that aren't, uh, but he's won more people over to me, Dan, this is a really important game because it's one of those ones that you could see it kind of going either way. USC should win it, you know, being favored by more than two touchdowns, uh, where you win this game and it kind of keeps that momentum going, go heading into Oregon. You lose this game. And you're not really sure where this team ends up. So it's kind of like a, to me, it's a pretty big one. You know, I think they put themselves in the hole where that every game is that game. And that's, that's kind of the problem. Uh, it didn't have to be this way. You look back and say, you know, Utah, uh, you know, Stanford, uh, and, you know, all, of, but they lost those two games. And now they're, you know, as Clay said, uh, and I think I said, you know, at least they stopped digging. They're in the hole, but they've stopped digging uh, and trying to climb their way out. And they can't afford a, you know, a misstep. Uh, you know, they they got to keep climbing out. And um, yeah, they've got to they've got to show up and be ready to play. I think they will. I think the bye week has helped them. I think the concentration. I think Cal's got their attention. I mean, they were all, you know, I think they all watched that that Cal game, Oregon game, the other night. And Cal does a lot of nice things. Uh, one of those things isn't exactly defense, but, uh, you know, that's where you basically you can't stop yourself against Cal. Uh, as Clay said the other day, 
teams that get in trouble against Cal are teams that go three and out. You go three and out, their offense is back on the field, and your defense is back on the field, and that's not what you want. You don't want that with a team, you know, that can go to 100 plays. And in the, the overtime the other night, they went to 118. Uh, I can't even imagine what shape your defense is in, although Oregon's defense wasn't in very good shape to begin with. What they're like after, you know, playing 118 plays, uh, it's hard to even imagine. So you've got to, you know, drive the ball. You've got to keep the ball. You've got to not stop yourself. No dumb penalties, no dumb turnovers. You know, this is a kind of a, a nice test for USC to see, you know, are you getting better? Are you that team that has learned, you know, from your mistakes? Uh, I guess we'll, you know, we'll find out. But I think this is just a really good game for USC to, to find out where they are. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we, we talked about this, I think, walking off the practice field yesterday. Um, if you saw what, you know, the Dodgers end up losing and, Clayton Kershaw, the decision by Dave Roberts to not throw him on three days rest and save him for game six, where he had a couple extra days rest. And his record with five days rest or more is actually worse than when it's four days rest or more. And could you rest a little too much? Um, you know, Cal's got to do this quick. You know, they have the high of a win six days later. Uh, you know, they had a home game and now they have to go on the road six days later. But USC had that extra time off, uh, not really intense practices where you're kind of letting some of the young guys, uh, you know, get in there a little bit. They needed to get some guys healthy. But overall, do you think it's it's good or bad that USC had a little bit of extra time here to get ready for Cal? I mean, I don't, I don't think we know. I do think there's a more business-like attitude on this team. I think part of it is they know what they're supposed to do now. I think there was so much indecision that first month about, you know, obviously who the quarterback was, but who they were. And how are they going to win games? And, you know, were they ever going to throw the ball to the tight end? And how were they going to block, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage and, and, and all that kind of stuff? I think they've, they've figured it out now uh, pretty much. And so I think that helps you a lot. I think the, the fact that the defense, I think Clancy was convinced at Utah that, you know, playing 12, 13, 14 guys, probably not going to get the job done against the people you're playing. And so – it seems like they've come up with some answers. So I think that helps. The, uh, the, the confusion is, is gone. Um, so, you know, if you really feel like you know what you're doing, you know how to do it, uh, then you can make this work for you. If you're still scrambling around trying to come up with answers, uh, this extra time probably doesn't help you at all because, uh, you know, you, those answers play out in, in games. So, uh, I mean, Luckily, it's not a true buy where you get the full week off. I think coming back on Thursday, you know, helps. It's 12 days, but, uh, but, uh, you know, if they'd have had to go all the way to the Saturday, that's a long time. That, that, I know Alabama and, and uh, LSU are both taking that, that bye week, uh, and they do every year, uh, before their game next week. Um, uh, and they certainly believe that it's to their benefit. To, uh, to heal up and, and, and have that extra time to get ready. And I think, you know, Cal's a good team to have that time uh, just because of, the, you know, the way they, uh, the pre- problems they present to you on offense. So I think this is, I think it can be a good thing. Again, it's up to USC to make sure it's a good thing. Let's, uh, let's go to some questions, Dan. Tarek wants to know, how much will Stephen Mitchell be missed? Tark, I think 
you know, they'll miss him as a as a guy they really all like and respect and, and want him around, uh, and he will be around. And he's been in a weight room, and so I think uh, they really appreciate that. I think, you know, in terms of they basically had four starters with Deontay Burnett for three spots. So uh, it's not like, okay, somebody new is moving in there. I mean, he essentially his stats were – comparable or better already, you know, to Stevens. I mean, I think there are things that Deontay can do that, you know, nobody else on this team can do. He's got the, you know, the biggest catching radius of anybody on the team. You know, his ability to, you know, stop and start and get yards after catch, I think is, is really, really improved. Uh, he just, he's just more comfortable uh, on the field with the ball in his hand. And uh, he does have probably the best hands on the team. So you got, all of that, uh, you know, and that's the one position. There's a bunch of other guys that are in that next level down who, um, you know, all are ready to see the field, I think. So, so I don't, I don't see it that way, uh, as, as the kind of thing that this is, uh, you know, really gonna, gonna hurt USC other than missing, you know, Steven, somebody that they really like, respect, and, uh, and, and would like to see out there, but but he'll be there, you know, with them. So, so I think they get they get that. But uh, I don't think it's a. There are a lot of other positions where that kind of an injury could have been a problem. Uh, James wrote in. Um, he wanted us to compare uh, some of the practice time. I think he posted this on the message board. Um, compare the practice times uh, from what USC does, and I haven't got a chance to ask other. Uh, people that cover the, the teams, other publishers, and the, 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 the scout publishers in the Pac-12. But the amount of time USC spends uh, on the practice field, time in pads with some of the other Pac-12 schools. And he wants to know if there's limits. He says he misses the Pete Carroll days when practices were harder than the games. You know, there is kind of a myth there. And, I, you know, we all are involved in those kinds of myths. Pete's team spent less time on the practice field than Clay's team. So, I don't think it's time on the practice field. I think there was a little, there was more competition. I think, you know, that, that's coming back a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that you saw much of that with Lane and, and with Sark. And, you know, there was a reason to some extent that it was the, uh, the NCAA sanctions and the numbers. And, you know, you really didn't have guys to compete for spots. And even if you, you had a few places, you didn't want to get them hurt. So, uh, and Clay, you know, came up, uh, the last, you know, five, six years under, uh, you know, situations under coaches who I always, you know, compared a little bit more to an NFL type practice. I mean, I thought they were very competitive. I thought they had the best, uh, as good a spring as we've seen. And, and again, that, that includes Pete. As good a summer, the best summer I think we've seen. Uh, the most competitive, they worked the hardest, uh, physically they, you know, did everything you can do without being in pads. Uh, I do think maybe they hit kind of a, a speed bump when they, they started preparing for Alabama and, uh, stopped competing and they had, you know, set the death charts and things like that. I think that was, that's something I think Clay has to figure out, but, uh, it's not for, for, you know, occasionally like in the bye week. They may have had some short practices, but it's not that they don't, they have short practices. Uh, you know, they don't have short practices. Uh, Pete's practices were consistently shorter 
than these. He had more one-on-ones, uh, essentially every day, and they finished with one-on-ones, maybe only 10 minutes worth, but they really went hard and they kind of built to that every day. And you had, you know, you were an All-American like Kenesi Yudis, you were lining up against an All-American like Sam Baker. And you were telling the All-American across from you, this is what I need from you, this, you know, in practice today. And vice versa. You don't really have that at this point. And so, you know, they miss out some of that. But, uh, we'll see. I, I mean, I think they're, they're getting more of a sense of competition, um, because there, there are more people that can compete. I mean, one of the problems I have a little bit is the lack of full pads and not so much, you know, not tackling guys or not taking them to the ground and all that. And I don't think you really want to do that. But I think for guys to compete for jobs, I think you need a little bit more full pads work to, to be able to say, you know, I can beat that guy out. And if that's just a once a week thing and it's not, you know, a big part of even that, you know, normal Tuesday practice, uh, you may not have the opportunity to quite, you know, beat somebody out. And I think, I think there was more of that sense with Pete. So, so I don't know if it's quantitative in terms of, you know, length of practice or amount of time in pads. The problem is to say, uh, we could compare it with somebody else. Nobody else lets you watch practice. So I mean, you really don't know. You're flying blind. I mean, uh, it just it's just not it just doesn't happen at this level. So we know what USC does, and we see how maybe it compares to, in some extent to what we know what they did with Pete. But to start trying to make you know direct comparisons with what other people are doing, I mean, I think we did get a sense that made people uneasy in the Holiday Bowl run up where Wisconsin clearly probably spent an, uh, a week more, not only on practice, in the practice field, but in pads than USC. And that's the thing that has given people, uh, you know, some pause. We had a question from Neil in Manila. We sort of talked about this, but a little more specific. He said, do you guys think that the bye week could affect USC in a way that they might start slow? Uh, commit penalties and turnovers against a potentially dangerous Cal team that really can win against anyone in the Pac-12. Thanks and fight on, Neil and Manila. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the worry. Uh, no question about it, Neil. Uh, you know, that's the, uh, the glass half empty, uh, you know, analogy to this week. And, and I think that's what Clay keeps talking to him about. I mean, I think they understand that they better come out ready to play because you don't want to get behind you want to be able to run the ball you get behind you kind of feel like well maybe we can't run the ball as much as we'd like and all that so yeah you got to come out you can't stop yourself with penalties dumb penalties and turnovers you just can't do it and you got to be hitting hitting on all cylinders and the the reason you want to be able to do that is because if you do that cow isn't going to stop you i mean it's, it's pretty simple so it's up to you to determine how how does this game go? But it's there for you if you uh, if you'll do it. Then clearly that's the uh, that's the thing you don't want to do. We had a question uh, from Northeast Brazil. Uh, I said, Ryan, this Whoa. is John. So that's cool. We like the international stuff. We're going from Manila to Northeast Brazil. I wonder if there is a. Can you take a flight, you know, uh, directly from Manila to Northeast Brazil? That'd be an interesting uh, 
I just saw the longest flight in the, in the world now is from, uh, where is it, uh, from Australia, somewhere in Australia to, boom, boom, boom. Ah. Washington, D.C. There's something, and they changed the flight pattern, and it goes over the Pacific now instead of the uh, Atlantic, and they added a couple of thousand miles, and so it's like the longest. <laughs> but I would say that Manila to Northeast Brazil flight would be probably a, That'd be probably far. be in the ballpark. Yeah, probably. If Perth is really the most remote city, I think, on the planet. Like, that's on the yep. western side of Australia. So maybe it's from Perth or something. See, I, I would have remembered my sister, believe it or not, lives in Perth. It's 3,000 miles from the nearest uh, uh, major city, whether that's uh, Sydney or Melbourne one way or Singapore the other way. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're all by themselves, 3,000 miles from, from anywhere. <laughs> But it wasn't Perth. I would have remembered Perth, but uh, uh, but there is. Uh, That's like New I York just, and LA. Like... That we we get back to back calls or uh, questions from uh, Manila and then northeastern Brazil. Yeah, cool. that would be like from LA. Like the closest city would be New York. Like that's crazy. Um... Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, anyway, yeah. so he wrote in. He said, "Thoroughly enjoy your podcast while I'm down here, and want to know." Now, this is, the wording's a little weird. I, I'm trying to interpret what he's saying. If you think the coaches are just getting better, and he said, with the tell them now, or they're making adjustments more rapidly during the game. Uh, you know, I think it's I think it's a little of both, and I think you know, and and Clay will tell you this. It's also a little bit of they're not playing Alabama anymore, and if they'd only realized, you know that. Stanford wasn't Stanford. That might have changed that. But I, I do think the coaches, the preparation is better. I think they're probably, and the better you prepare and the more you have a sense of, of, of what you're doing, your ability to adjust in games uh, looks a lot better. And then the next thing you got is they've got Sam Darnold out there making those adjustments for him in the play. So, you know, you can look like a pretty good coach if, if, you know, you get third and long and you've had a couple of plays that haven't worked and Sam, you know, goes back and realizes they're dropping eight and said, heck, I can beat those guys to the first down marker. There's three guys that are rushing and he makes it look easy. I mean, it looks like, you know, whether they were calling pass patterns on those third and longs or not at Arizona, they might as well have been calling quarterback draws. And uh, so that makes so all parts of it kind of have to go together, I think, and, and, and that's a little bit of, of, you know, would this be looking as good if they were still, you know, playing Alabama every week? Probably not. But but I think they're, they'd be looking better, you know. But but I think it's all of, all of the above. We had a couple questions come in, and this is kind of a common topic about Iman Marshall. So I'll read you both of them. And I think these were coming in during the Arizona game. Um, so like a week and a half ago, he said, do you think that the that Iman Marshall would be better suited for safety than cornerback? It seems that his aggressive aggressiveness affects him at corner and he could be better at safety. Fight on from uh, Bobby. And then we also had Kevin write in. Someone has to tell us why he continues to play corner. He got roasted versus Alabama, commits so many PI penalties. It's insane. And he's too slow to be on the outside. It's like watching Chris Hawkins struggle a corner all over again. When are they going to move his ass to safety? Kevin no longer in South Orange County. He said, dude, uh, Dan cannot even try to say that pick was because he's a good corner. Terrible throw by the quarterback. 
So I think he wrote in, I believe if I remember right, he wrote in and then like wrote in again after, like he wrote in and he stinks. And then Eamon Marshall got an interception. <laughs> and then I think he wrote back. I believe that's how that went down. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. And you know, we can take it away from him. He was in the, their playing zone and he's exactly where he's supposed to be. Okay. He got the benefit of, uh, yeah, I think it's not that he's not quick enough. Uh, he, I mean, the pass interference at Arizona, he's got perfect coverage. I mean, that, that ball could not have possibly gotten to that receiver. Okay. I mean, he was with, you know, in between the guy's feet. I mean, he was running step for step, no contact, perfectly defending the guy, doesn't get his head turned quite quick enough. But that's not even the problem. The problem is he's got a guy who he's basically Velcroed to. A guy who's not as big as he is, not as athletic as he is, and what does what does Iman do? He grabs his jersey. You didn't need to grab his jersey. I mean, use both hands and grab the football. But Iman, you got to say this for him. He wants to be good. He wants to be so good. He wants he wants to do everything he can possibly do to break up every pass that he can possibly break up. Unfortunately, at least once a game, he does too much. Too much, you know, the Utah game will live in infamy. I mean, he doesn't commit that P.I. Yes, he wins. I mean, you know, it changes the whole season. So uh, it's almost like he can't help himself. Now, here's the issue, and I know everybody says, oh, well, he looks more like a safety. He, he He's not quite as big as I think people think he is. He's, he's probably like 195 now. Uh, you know, a little over, maybe, smidge uh, over six foot, maybe. Uh, but the thing with safeties, they gotta make all kinds of judgment calls. And, and, and where am I gonna be? And what's my technique? And all of that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know if that's his skill set. I mean, let's say if he were, if he didn't grab people, he didn't knock people, you know, clothesline them, whatever, that he, you know, different things he does, he'd be having a heck of a year. I mean, when you talk to Clancy, he said he was the best defensive back in uh, in fall camp. And he was the guy that showed up, you know, the biggest. So, I mean, obviously with, with a defensive back, the only time you pay a lot of attention to him is when he does something, you know, like commit the – commit the penalty or or uh, or really get beat even those plays where they really get beat you're not even always sure what was the coverage call and who's responsible but you do know on the pass interferences so uh i don't think it's as simple as just you know off with his head you know getting somewhere else uh as people make it out to be uh really if he didn't grab people he did if he stopped being handsy trusted his ability to run with him, trusted his ability to stay with people, um, and, and maybe wasn't quite so aggressively wanting, you know, to make the play, and just went with it and said, I'm a good enough athlete, I can, I can react to whatever happens here. Uh, I think it changes everybody's perception. But, um, and I know where everybody's coming from. I'm just not sure, you know, that that's the answer. Eric in Duck Country wrote in. He said, who are your top under-the-radar players? By that, I mean players who have uh, 
who are having a great season but aren't getting any recognition. Thanks, Eric I in think, Duck Country. Yeah, Eric, I think Ichena, the uh on defense, I think is just having a, an absolutely sensational. He's in the right place at the right time. He gets his hands up. He, you know, he's in the quarterback throwing lane. Uh, he just seems like uh, you just can depend on him. That he he's going to be where uh, where you need him to be. Uh, you know, on defense, on offense. I think, and, and it's getting to be not quite so under the radar at this point. I think that Chad Wheeler is just having a, a really, really, really good year. And, uh, you know, I think he's not going to be unrecognized when the NFL draft comes around. But, but I think he's, uh, he just had, uh, you know, an awfully good year. Good ones there. Uh, Ed and Elisa Viejo wrote in, said, this question might be considered, quote, unquote, Inside baseball, as your friends Bruce and Stu might say, but can you explain the procedure for selecting the kickoff time for the Oregon game, given that it's homecoming? Does USC have any say in the matter? Uh, thanks, Larry. I have to pick up a tailgate guest at LAX mid-morning before the game, and I also have no idea how much beer to buy. Uh, that's Ed and Elisa Viejo. Yeah, Ed, no. You got, USC has no say. You know, they got, you know, when you signed on, they signed everything away with regard to the TV contracts. They can do anything they want, uh, pretty much anything they want. And as you saw all the different possibilities, they don't care. You know, it's homecoming and they're going to wait till the Monday before homecoming and decide and, you know, grab between the networks for the extra few thousand viewers who are going to watch it some of those times on some of those networks. But, uh, but yeah, they, they could care, you know, I mean, honestly, if somebody got into the meeting room where they're deciding or got on the conference call and said, don't you guys realize it's homecoming at USC? The giggling and the laughter that would ensue from the, the uh, TV guys that are making that decision. I mean, come on. They're, you know, no, they don't care. It's, it's absolutely the last thing. I would say it's the last thing they consider. It's not on the list of things to consider. <laughs> now, should USC and the rest of the Pac-12 probably uh, fight a little harder for some of those things? Yeah. I mean, for example, this year is a, a really good example of both. neither USC on that short week when they had to go to uh, uh, Arizona, or excuse me, Utah, or Cal this week, both of them, not only got a short week, but it's a travel week. And that should absolutely not be allowed. I mean, you know, these schools should say, look, you're going to give us a short week? We understand. But not in a travel week. So don't hit us because you basically take another day away. Uh, and, you know, let's face it. Now, the Cal kids have played two weeknight games in two weeks. You know, and I know they, you know, they act like, Somebody up at Cal is supposed to be studying, although the more you read about what's going on up there, you're not really sure how many people are actually studying. Uh, but uh, you should at least act like you're studying. And if you're sending kids, you know, two straight weeks to weeknight games, you aren't worried about studying. And the Pac-12 likes to, you know, send out this holier-than-thou, boy, we're not, you know, we're not the SEC, we're not, you know, blah, blah, blah. When you send teams, you know, to play uh, weeknight games, back-to-back weeks, you, you know, you're not any better than anybody else. 
Let's uh, let's see. We've got a few more, Dan, want to talk about. We'll go to Curtis in Marino Valley. He said the playoff committee wants the best four teams. Also, they favor conference champions. If we went out, well, this is a scenario here. We take the Pac-12, overall future NFL talent, blue blood tradition, even media bias could get us in the playoffs. Long way to go, uh, but you, I, and all the fans know we can win out against our schedule and win on a neutral field against Washington or Washington State. Too bad we need Utah to lose two and Colorado to lose one. Fight on, Curtis in Marino Valley. You know, I don't know what would happen if, you know, USC somehow gets into the playoffs after having won out and beaten Washington. And, and you know, you'd probably have to do what some of those other USC teams did, like in 2002, and, you know, just beat the – I mean, it would be hard to beat Notre Dame by enough points to actually make it even matter a little bit. It, it might be hard, not, you know, to beat uh, UCLA by enough points uh, to make it worthwhile. And the other point would be if USC beats Washington – in Seattle, Washington becomes damaged good. So if you beat Washington and again in the playoffs, the championship game, people would say, just like they said after USC beat Colorado and Arizona State, even though both of them were ranked, everybody said, ah, those games don't mean anything. Those teams weren't any good. So, you know, what we thought was this really good schedule and this backloaded schedule is a, it puts USC in a place where what what do they have to prove? Now, the problem is, if you're in the Pac-12, you have to prove that you're you're beating anybody. If you're in the Big Ten, you can beat Michigan or Ohio State. You don't have to play anybody. And if, you know, Colorado scores 28 points, like in a half, if you're Michigan, which is almost as many points as Michigan gives up in the next four or five uh, Big Ten games, people forget about it. That game goes down the memory hall. That game didn't happen. That was like a uh, exhibition of some sort, you know? I mean, I, you know, I can see how, you know, the people in the Big Ten are hoping that they get two unbeaten to play one another, or not unbeaten, but they get Ohio State with the one loss, Michigan unbeaten. And if they get some kind of a, you know, close game, split, whatever, I, you can see them already saying, well, those two teams really deserve to go to the playoffs. They're just so good. We have no idea. I mean, we have no idea if Michigan or Ohio State are any good right now. I mean, the evidence we have from Ohio State is, ooh, the jury's really out on them. And uh, what has Michigan done to say in any way that they're a team to be, uh, you know, I mean, this is one of those years. I don't know how you pick the four best because people have no idea. I mean, they're really, you know, avoiding one another. And uh, uh, I just, I don't know. It's going to be interesting if uh, – if, you know, there's some upsets in the um, in the SEC. You know, say Ed upsets Alabama, and Auburn looks like they're getting better. And you know, there could be uh, some decisions that that people are really going to have to flip coins on because they're not going to know. And and don't believe anybody when they tell you how good Michigan is. How good's Michigan's quarterback? Does anybody even know his name? <laughs> how good's their best running back? Who? I mean, really, they get some good players, you know, uh, Peppers in, in the butt and the other defensive back whose name escapes me now. They do have some good athletes. But are they a, a great football? We don't have any idea. High State didn't look all that good. 
they should have never lost to Penn State, but Penn State, you know, they're not very good at all. And at the end of that game, Ohio State couldn't block them. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think all these scenarios are interesting, but uh, I don't think you're going to be able to prove anything about anybody being absolute playoff material this year other than unless Alabama, you know, obviously they went out. Even if they don't win out, you know, they still – they're pretty good. But um, but they got to go to LSU, and that ought to be fun uh, uh, after this uh, bye week. Uh, so, so I don't know about these scenarios. Uh, I just think USC at least knows one thing. They just got to win out. I think no more of this trying to – I mean, that last weekend they tried to root, you know, home uh, 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 UCLA and – Imagine that, and uh, Oregon State, I guess, uh, and uh, that didn't work out so well. Uh, so I think they just, you know, you, you put yourself in this place, get yourself out by winning every every game you get a chance to win, you know, play, and then and see what happens. Let them sort it out at the end. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, kind of along the same lines, Dan. Cameron wrote in. He said. There's a possibility right now that four teams that haven't been to the Pac-12 final for a decade to be playing for a chance to be in the championship game on the last days of the season. Washington and Washington State in the Apple Cup and then Utah and Colorado. Utah and Colorado have to each beat a Washington school or USC lose to Washington, which I expect. Uh, but it is a pretty clear road to this. Uh, they all look pretty good. Do you... Uh, think this is a good thing. I certainly do. Backing into the championship game, if we lose to Washington, to play them again, just like Stanford last year, would be more embarrassing than seeing Colorado continue a great season and going to the Rose Bowl or Washington went out and get in the Final Four and send the South winner to the Rose Bowl uh, from Cameron. See, I'll be honest with you. I really don't care about those teams in terms of I like Mike McIntyre, for example. I think what he's done to make them respectable at Colorado is great, you know. And I think it's it's great if Colorado wants to be, it looks like they do want to be uh, a program similar to what they had, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, and that's great. But I just don't know, you know, how productive it is to, you know, wish for good things. Uh, I mean, you know, you can wish for good things for Washington State, and yet, this is a team that opened the year with losses to FCS, Eastern Washington, and Portland State. Hello? That team, somebody wants in the playoffs? And yeah, they could beat, uh, Washington in the Apple Cup if they play, you know, if it snows in, uh, in Pullman. And, uh, that would just make the Pac-12 a laughing stock, to be honest. Um, so, so I don't, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think that the concentration ought to be on USC wins every game they can and, and see what happens uh, in a season that they royally screwed up by not being ready the first month. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, that's how far I'm going to think about this stuff. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think if you're, if you're like a Pac-12 fan, you don't want Washington State to win just because Dan said, I mean, you know, losing to Boise and losing to – uh, Boise, you know, Eastern Washington. Was it Boise? Yeah, they lost to Boise. Yeah, Boise. In Eastern Washington. Boise. That's not, you know, 
And then if they go undefeated in the Pac-12, it just makes the whole conference look terrible. We do our podcast of champions once a week. We're going to tape one of those tomorrow. We talk about that kind of stuff. It's uh, If you're a Pac-12 fan, I mean, I love Mike Leach. He's hilarious, but you can't really root for them. But, you know, a Utah team, you know, with the one loss uh, right now, or Washington, if you're looking for a Pac-12 team to make the, the playoff, it's going to be, you know, Washington's the most likely, and Utah's kind of an outside chance. Colorado, like like Dan said, great story with Mike McIntyre and the way they've turned things around. And, you know, they're probably, this is their year. They've got a lot of seniors on that team. I'm not sure if they're going to be as good next year. We'll see. I mean, he's got them in the right direction, but there's potential for a fall off there. So this is a, it's great for them to be bowl eligible. How much further that can they take it than just six wins in bowl eligible? We'll have to wait and see. But if you're a Pac-12 yeah, fan, I, it's like I Washington. think that the more they take it, the worse it looks for the Pac-12. And and I know there are people who say, well, but Utah's he's really done a good job. That's a solid program. And you just say, wait a minute, they gave up 45 points to UCLA, who has a an ex walk on a quarterback who threw for five touchdown passes. And it's a UCLA team that is like the worst running, rushing team in college football. And for years, the thing we didn't like was that the Pac-12 dominated all the bottom uh, stat positions in penalties. You know, if you wanted to find the Pac-12 schools in penalties, you started at number 120 and, and looked down. Now, You've got the worst running team, they're number 128, I believe, in UCLA. You got the worst defensive team, number 128 in Oregon. You got Cal almost right there. Now you can say, oh, that's because they throw the ball a lot and there's just a whole lot of offense. Well, yeah, a little bit. But, uh, but this is probably not the kind of year you want teams that, you know, if they're really better by the end of the year, which that's the one place USC has a chance to say, hey, we're way better than that team that was playing in September. Uh, and USC's done this before. But uh, those teams, I think, have a ceiling that they're just not going to get much better because they don't have enough players. I mean, they just really don't. And uh, that doesn't bode well, I don't think, in the postseason. We uh, got two more for you, Dan. Uh, one, we got that's, we're going to stick with uh, south of the border here. Tim from Costa Rica. So we got another good one okay. from uh, international. He says, actually, might be going to Costa Rica in January. My mom's seventieth birthday. She's going to go down there. Ooh, so we're trying, cool. tr- trying to do that. Yeah. Um, I've been. I've only been there once, but I loved it. It was great. Uh, it says, great job by you and your folks each week. You are my connection, along with satellite TV, to USC football here in Costa Rica. Uh, just listened to your last podcast and all the questions regarding retaining or firing Clay Helton after the season, USC would have to go into the tank, which he means by three more losses for Clay to be fired, in my opinion. But next season, he will have to lead the team without stumbling back to dominating people and getting to Pac-12 championship games and consistent national championship contention year after year. This USC requirement should never go away. So if he wins, he stays. Not the case. Gone. No question. Absolutely no question. You know, if you say, hey, it was our fault. We shouldn't have hired you. You didn't have the experience, the resume uh, at other places, and you hadn't made those calls and all that kind of thing. You hadn't been a head coach. Uh, I think USC has to take the hit for this year 
for how it went. And I think Clay, you know, takes the hit. Obviously, he did in September, and he ought to get some of the credit. You know, we can argue over who they're playing and blah, blah, blah. Uh, he should get credit for when things start going right. And uh, But it doesn't stop, uh, you know, in October. You know, it's going to go right through the end of November, and then we'll see with the ball. And I think he should be evaluated on the entire season and uh, and fairly. And I think one of the questions is, can you dominate the Pac-12 and win national championships with this coach and the staff he's putting together? And I think that's a really legitimate question. I think, you know, there aren't a lot of places that can ask, ask that question fairly and correctly. USC is one of them. You know, obviously Alabama and Notre Dame and uh, uh, are probably there, obviously. Uh, Michigan, you know, their, their record recently hasn't been such. Uh, I'm not sure. Other than, you know, USC, Alabama, Notre Dame, I don't even know if it's a fair question. You know, is it a fair question at Clemson or LSU or Auburn or schools like that, Oregon? I don't think so. I think it's a fair question at USC, uh, and it's a legitimate question at, at Alabama, and it's a legitimate question at Ohio State. I'm not, you know, after them, you know, do you expect to win a national championship every year at Michigan? And when was the last time they won a national championship? Or, you know, schools like that, uh, you know, LSU and Clemson and those schools, Texas, you know, people, you know, get excited about Texas and all their money and all their you know, all the possibilities there. I still don't even know that you ask that question in Texas when you hire a guy. You hope he, you know, you can dominate. You hope you can, uh, you know, at least get to the playoffs. I think USC, I think it's legitimate to say, can you win a national championship with this coach? And that's a fair question. Yeah. We've got one last one for you, Dan. Uh, let's see. This is Beck, uh, Nick. He said, hi, it's Nick from Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick 21 USC from the P. Question is simple. And yes, Ryan, I will break the golden rule of talking about the basketball team two weeks in a row. LOL. Uh, I don't know that was a golden rule, but okay, we'll go with it. He said, with the rankings of seventh in the Pac-12 and presum- uh, presumably not being tourney bound, what is your rankings of the Pac-12 conference winner? teams to look out for, players to watch, and most importantly, how USC sizes up in the conference. Fight on from Nick. Well, I might not go into all that detail, but I was shocked that, that they were picked seventh. I just thought, wow, that was a shot. And I know it's, it's the fact that people can't get over. You had 12 players who could have come back. Uh, two chose to go to the NBA and went undrafted, and the other four transferred. And People look at that and say, I don't know what that means, but that can't be good. And, and that's the same for, for, you know, those of us who are a little bit closer, we don't have a good answer either. What what does that say? I mean, I don't think they should be, you know, ranked seventh with, uh, with the starting lineup they've got. Uh, I think we're, you know, going to guess on, on some of the new guys that we haven't really seen. Uh I mean, I think they played the way they played last year almost in spite of themselves. I mean, I thought they had a team that could really run the floor, shoot the three, overplay, do a lot of things. I think they kind of did that in spite of the, you know, what the coaches wanted them to do uh, to some extent. Uh, I think 
if they put it all together, uh, they're as good as any. I mean, I know there were people who said, uh, I think one of the preseason said, you know, if they'd have kept Julian Jacobs and, and, and Nicola, um, we'd have been picking them to, you know, win the championship or be as good as anybody in this league. I don't know that that not having having you know I think having Julian uh, take off hurt no question about it he took so much pressure off of uh, off of uh, McLaughlin but uh, uh, I don't hit, I mean I think the Pac-12 you gotta like Oregon but the rest of those teams I don't know can you know are UCLA's freshmen that good I mean I saw one uh, listing that had the top three uh, all Pac-12 teams, and they had two UCLA, only one USC player, two UCLA players uh, on the team who played last year on a UCLA team that was 6-12 and 12 in the league, and those guys are on the all Pac-12 team, and USC beat them, what, four times? They got one guy on the team. So uh, I don't know what that says, that USC hasn't built up any credibility, apparently, in college basketball circles, uh, with, uh, with Andy and, and his team. And not quite sure why, but, uh, I think we're going to have to let it play out. They ought to have a really good, you know, preseason. And we'll see if they can go into, you know, places and not make crucial mistakes and, uh, rebound the ball defensively and, uh, you know, play with poise at the end of games and finish games out. Uh, they didn't always do that last year. They had some youth. Um, but yes, he's got enough talent to beat anybody in the league. They got enough talent to line up with anybody in the league. They got enough size. Okay. They don't have any, you know, big, um, you know, uh, big thick you know, centers, but how many people do these days? But, uh, but they've got, uh, you know, they got kids with, kids with real skills and, uh, can run the floor. They can run, jump size they can shoot it uh they've got a veteran uh you know point guard uh they you know they ought to be able to make it work whether they will i don't i don't know that obviously voting them seventh says that the people voting for the pac-12 uh in the pac-12 media poll do not think that they can make it work so it's up to usc to show that maybe they're wrong Dan, great stuff. Uh, it was fun, small, short week podcast with the game on Thursday, but we had a lot of good questions to get to and uh, some really interesting topics we get to discuss. So thanks again for uh, coming on. Yeah, thanks for the questions, especially uh, the ones from uh, Manila and northeastern Brazil. Uh, keep those questions coming. That's uh, Costa Rica. That's cool. Yeah. Love the international questions. That's awesome. Uh, all right. Well, that's Dan Weber. Uh, I'm Ryan Abraham. We're both on uscfootball.com. Hope you guys check out the site. If you haven't already, you're missing a whole lot. Putting up a ton of content up on the site each and every day. So check that out. Uh, you go to peristylepodcast.com as well. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. 
Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.